considering leaving your job. Maybe you're not happy at work these days. Perhaps you're feeling really unmotivated or demotivated. Or you could just be feeling the desire for something new in 2024. It's a big decision and one that many people struggle to make. How do you know when the time is right? How do you avoid making the wrong decision? And how do you build the courage to quit when you know you're too unhappy to stay? If you've got some of those thoughts whirring around your head, then this is the episode that's going to help you. Because I'm going to share with you how to know when you're ready for a change. The six important factors you need to consider when you're making that decision about your role why staying in a toxic workplace is a confidence vortex, and my four top tips for actually making that decision whether to stay or whether to go. This is the Influence and Impact podcast for women leaders, helping you confidently navigate the ups and downs of leadership and feel less alone on your journey as you do so. My name's Carla Miller, and I've been coaching leaders for the past 15 years, and I am your new leadership BFF. As your BFF, I'm here to remind you of the value that you bring to your organization, to help you believe in yourself, and to share practical tools and insights from myself and my brilliant guests that will help you to succeed in your career. So if you want to know if you should stay or you should go when it comes to your current role, let's dive in. Now, this episode was prompted by lots of discussions I had in the latter half of 2023. I spoke to women who were normally highly motivated that had lost their motivation and just didn't feel like themselves at work anymore. I spoke to women with really very challenging, difficult line managers, and it was understandably really impacting their confidence. I spoke to women who were frustrated with things that they wanted to change about their organization that were impacting them and their team and their ability to do their jobs well. And I spoke to women who were just feeling like they were ready for something new, but perhaps didn't know what that was yet. There are so many different reasons for considering leaving your role. And I also think that we are all under a lot of pressure at the moment. So many people are overworked. So many people are overwhelmed. And when you're in that space, it's very nice to dream about quitting, isn't it? And then you come back down to reality with a bump because you have no idea what you're going to do next. And sometimes we think the grass is always greener. But honestly, if the main issue you have with your role is that you are overworked, there's just too much to do, that's unlikely to change if you move organizations. Although a fresh start can allow you to set new boundaries so it can give you the confidence to do that. But honestly, very few organizations have found the sweet spot when it comes to a sustainable workload and realistic expectations about what people can do during their working hours. So leaving often isn't the answer to the being overworked problem, but it can definitely be the answer to some other problems. So how do you know when you're ready for a change? Well, in this episode, for fun, I'm going to use the metaphor of a romantic relationship because it helps to bring a new perspective to what you're experiencing. So we're going to start by looking at 
the reasons why you might be thinking of moving. And I've put these into three categories. I've put them into red flags. So the things that are very concerning. The next category is things around fit, like is this the right fit for you as a person? And then finally, looking at whether it perhaps used to be the right fit, but whether you've potentially outgrown your current role. So what are the red flags that you want to keep an eye out for? Things like a blame culture, a culture with basically zero psychological safety, where it's not safe to speak up. Organizations where bullying is tolerated or people that are bullies are actively promoted. A really toxic boss, so one that bullies you, is critical, unsupportive, won't allow you exposure to anyone more senior than you, takes credit for your role. Those are some pretty obvious red flags. Another one, a workplace that just feels really negative and toxic and senior leaders don't seem to care or are just so detached from the reality of what's happening within the organization. Those are all really obvious red flags. There's two other red flags that I'm not sure that we always appreciate the seriousness of. I think we tolerate more often than perhaps we should. One of them is an organization where change is so substantial and constant that you and your team can't actually do your role. So change is, change is a natural part of the working world. Um, but when you're having substantial overhauls all the time and you're sat there wanting to do a good job, but it's literally impossible, that is going to really, really wear you down and also will leave you with nothing on your CV that you've been able to achieve. And the other sort of more subtle red flag is where it's impossible to succeed because the expectations are just way too high. So those targets are too high or the volume of work is really ridiculous, but everyone expects you to get it done. So those are the red flags you need to look at. Now, the second category I mentioned were things around fit. And if we think about a relationship again, I think about this as that stage in a relationship when you get to know the real person, not your imagined version of them. So we all start a relationship thinking about how fantastic this person is. We're basically in a relationship with the imaginary version of that person. And then as we get to know them, well, we get to know the real person and decide if we want to be in a relationship with them. So if you know, you know, basically that's a feeling that you have, which is like, I, I just don't quite fit here or something just doesn't feel right here. These are not red flags. In fact, I would say in this category of things related to fit, there's more leeway for things to change for the better. Whether that's you changing your way of looking at things or the situation changing. So let's do, let's give some examples of that. So one example might be leadership style fit. Perhaps you have a particular way of managing and leading that is different from your line manager and their line manager or the senior people in the organization. And so you might sit there and feel like this isn't the place for me. I, I don't fit here and my way of working isn't valued. Now, if your way of working really isn't valued, then yeah, I think it, it's probably time to start looking for somewhere that you can work where you can be fully yourself and you can bring your different approach. 
But be careful that you're not assuming that your way of working isn't valued just because it's different. You can turn that difference into a strength. Organizations need lots of different approaches. There is no one right good way to manage or to lead. And so I think if you're in an organization which is open to new ways of managing and leading, or your line manager is open to a conversation about, I know that's how you lead, this is how I lead, then I think that that's something that actually has some potential for positive change. Now, another fit that comes up quite often is of values. So our values are the things that are important to us. And what often happens is that we hold our values very tightly and we define them in a very specific way. And if somebody or if an organization doesn't seem to align with our values, it can feel quite fundamentally wrong to us. An example of this, I had a client who valued honesty and integrity really highly. And she translated honesty and integrity as being really transparent. And she wanted to share some information outside the organization in the spirit of transparency and to her honesty and integrity. And she didn't get permission from the organization to do that. They said that she couldn't do that because they felt that it was risky and unnecessary. And she reacted to that more strongly than she would have done on another topic because for her, it felt like they didn't share those values of honesty and integrity. And in fact, that wasn't necessarily the case at all. They just didn't think that transparency equaled honesty and integrity. And that's that's what can happen is we can hold those values really tightly. We can define them in a really specific way. And then if it feels like someone stepped on them, we we find ourselves really reacting. So if you have a values fit with something that your organization is doing um, or with the way your line manager does things, firstly, take a moment to recognize that's what it is and that we all have different values and different priorities within those values. So your colleague might also value honesty, but success might be valued a little bit more highly for them than honesty. So it's just worth recognizing it's a little bit more gray rather than black and white. And that actually you might think about, well, how else could I translate those values? And where am I seeing examples within the organization of those values being lived? So careful not to go down the route too much of this organization doesn't fit with my values. I'm going to contradict myself slightly here. Sometimes there are organizations with an incredibly strong culture that genuinely doesn't fit with your values. So let's say you work in a cutthroat um, sales or recruitment environment, and actually you are all about collaboration and how people feel. Yet those values probably are really quite different. And that's probably not going to work itself out. But usually the differences are a little bit more subtle than that. Now, another fit is people fit. So perhaps your team are not your best buddies and places that you've worked before, you've built brilliant friendships. And so this place just doesn't feel like a great fit for you because you've not made those great friendships. And it's just worth recognizing that we can get ourselves stuck in a story there as well. 
or they're a real clique. I can't get in with that. Or there's nobody here that I want to be friends with. And recognize that A, people leave or go on maternity leave or take sabbaticals, et cetera, all the time. So there's always new people coming in to an organization. And one of those might turn out to be your best friend ever. B, when you give people a chance one-on-one and are genuinely interested in them, sometimes it can surprise you who you become friends with. In fact, one of my best friends in the whole world is someone that worked with me. And when we first met, I think she really didn't like me (laughs) at all. She really wasn't very friendly at all. Um, And as I say, she is now one of my favorite people in the world. So people can change. But your happiness is important at work. And if actually one of the reasons that you go to work or you work in your particular field or you like working in a particular organization is because of the people, then just knowing that that's important to you is useful. And then finally, there's that crucial line manager fit. Perhaps you've got a line manager that there's nothing wrong with them, but you don't particularly get on with them. You're just so different. It's really hard to see things from each other's perspectives. And that can sometimes feel very frustrating and like a very big deal. But equally, that is something where that can change over time. If they're not a toxic, terrible line manager, because they often don't change, if they're just a normal human being that is different from you, that's something that you can learn to work on, to build your relationship with them, to become a partner to them, to influence them. And that's something that we often talk about within the influence and impact course. So those are the areas of fit that it's worth thinking about. So I guess what I'm imagining you doing as you're listening to this episode is either going, oh yeah, that's an issue or, oh, actually I'm all right on that. So maybe you've listened to those and you've gone, oh, actually my management leadership style is never questioned. The organization aligns and my values. I quite like the people that I work with and my line manager's not too bad. Well, there you go. That shows you that actually perhaps you may be slightly better off than you thought you were. Now, the third category I wanted to talk about is when you have potentially outgrown your role. And again, we outgrow things in relationships as well. We grow, they don't, or one of you wants more than the other one wants. So some signs that you might have potentially outgrown your role. Firstly, you're bored. You, Your brain is bored. You're not feeling motivated or energized about what you're doing. Another is that you're feeling frustrated. And frustration is often a sign that you're ready to step up to the level, next level of responsibility. So if you're in a relatively senior role and you're feeling frustrated about things within the organization that you'd love to change, but you just don't have the power or influence to change, for me, that's a really clear signal that actually you are ready to take on more responsibility, whether it's within your organization or in another organization to help create that culture that you'd like to create. So I see that actually as a really positive thing in that you're learning something about yourself. It could be that you're wanting to grow, but there's just no opportunities within your organization. And I don't just mean like opportunities as in a gap above you that you can move into. Often there's really interesting opportunities sideways or through secondments or interesting new projects that give you exposure to different people. Or maybe you've outgrown it in that, yes, this used to be your dream job or this used to be your dream sector that you worked in or specialism, but actually you've got some new dreams that you'd like to fulfill and you're starting to think about taking action on those. So if you have listened to that and thought, 
there's no red flags in my organization. I think the fit's okay. And I don't feel like I've outgrown it. Then maybe you're just having a bad month. Maybe a particular situation or project has really stressed you out. And when that, once that's in the past, you'll feel better. Maybe a rest is helpful. Maybe there's something going on with you outside of work that's impacting how you feel at work or impacting the amount of energy that you have at work. Maybe menopause is impacting you as well. I know certainly I lost my mojo for quite a while um, with menopause and, and only testosterone got my mojo back for me. Or maybe there are things that you can do to improve your current situation. It might be you can ask for some opportunities or at least flag that you would like them. You might be able to reset some boundaries if the main issue is actually your job's fine. It's just that there's just too much of it. Or it might be you could get a mentor or go on some kind of course that could help make you more interested and passionate about your role again. So those are some of the things to think about when you're deciding, are you really ready for a change? Now, I said that I would share some factors to consider when you're thinking about a change, because it's all very well saying, oh yeah, my job's not right for me. I want to rock. I want to leave. But uh, in reality, it's not always that easy, is it? So here are the uh, six factors that you need to make sure you've considered when you're making a change. The first one is your financial reality. So how much are you earning now? How much do you need to earn? So I've got some clients that actually do really like their job, but their mortgages have just gone up by a thousand pounds a month and therefore they need to start looking at other roles or get a pay rise. So your financial reality in terms of, do you need more money? Could you cope with less money if you wanted to make more of a um, drastic change or if you wanted to leave without a job to go to? Is that possible for you financially? Number two is your work setup and your need for flexibility. So many of us get stuck in that trap of, no, it's not the ideal job for us, but actually we can work part-time or we can leave to pick our kids up from school or to go and care for an elderly parent um, and we will be able to find that elsewhere. And this one drives me crazy because there are so many talented women out there and so few jobs are offered genuinely flexibly. And I could rant about that for ages, but it is something to, to consider. If actually your priority right now is, for example, your family, and this role allows you to do that, then maybe for this period of time, you decide, actually, I want to be around more and therefore I'm happy to compromise on some areas involving work. I dream of the day when we no longer have to compromise. Another factor to consider, number three, is your clarity on your next role or move. If you have no idea what's coming next, that makes it a very bold choice to leave. You, you probably have to be deeply unhappy to leave with nothing to go to. Number four, what opportunities are out there? Have you seen other roles that interest you, that catch your eye? Now, if you've seen them and then you've not felt confident enough to go for them, that's a whole other podcast episode or coaching session. But are the opportunities out there? And what's the market like? But don't overemphasize that. I think a lot of people will make vast generalizations about the market because they're actually quite scared to move. And there's always exceptions to trends in the market. So even in terrible markets, it is still possible to get good jobs. 
And number five, what else is going on in your life at the moment? And what's your appetite for change and your appetite for risk? If you are getting married and moving house or having a baby or doing something else substantial in the next year, do you want to add a job change into that as well? If there's really stressful things going on in your personal life outside of work or there's a lot of instability, do you want to create change in your working life as well? It's an important thing to think about. And then finally, the factor to think about is your happiness. I think we don't put enough weight on this when we're making our decisions about our work. I I speak to lots of women who are mired in all the practical reasons why they can't leave, but they're actually really, really unhappy. And I would really love you to consider your happiness at work to be really, really important. And one of the ways to, to think about whether you're ready to go or not is to think, well, if I could fast forward to the middle of January in 2025 and everything was still the same in terms of your workplace, how would you feel about that? And that will tell you something about how you really feel about your role and how happy you are or aren't. So on those different factors to consider, my challenge to you is to work out, well, what do you need to do to get some more clarity on those for your situation? So it might be you need to do a bit of a budget when it comes to your financial reality. It might be you need to get clear on the flexibility that you need. It might be you need to have some conversations with people or have a little bit of coaching on, um, what your next role or move could be, or do some exploring of the opportunities that are out there. So now let's talk about what I call the confidence vortex. When your confidence is being negatively impacted at work, and that might be due to your boss or colleagues or your fit for the role or the organization, it can be eroded to the point where you start to feel like you're the problem and you won't succeed anywhere. So what's the point of moving? And a bit of tough love here, that only gets worse the longer you stay, and it isn't serving you. So I think sometimes we're tempted to just wait and hope things get better. But you can't wait for your confidence to come back on its own without creating some form of change. So you might want to get a coach or talk to your friends or talk to former colleagues who can reassure you that actually you are really good at your job. Keep a list of your achievements. Um, Join my Be Bolder Confidence course. Do whatever it is you need to do to start to gain the confidence to start looking elsewhere. Or even if you can't find the confidence to do it, do it anyway. Put yourself out there And then if you get an opportunity for an interview, then get someone to give you a pep talk or a coaching session beforehand to help you to get it. But the answer lies with you. Creating that change lies with you. And unfortunately, the longer that we do stay in those roles, the more our confidence gets eroded and eroded. And then the harder it is for us to leave and to go somewhere else. So I say this with lots and lots of love and compassion. If your confidence is being eroded at work, I would actually consider that to be a red flag. And I would really encourage you to start looking for a move you could make, even if it's to another team or department within your organization, something that you can do to boost your confidence. 
Now, the final thing I want to talk about is the breakup. So how do you know? Should you stay or should you go? How do you actually make that final step, take that final step and make the decision? Well, remember our relationship metaphor. Think back to a time when you were in a relationship and you knew, you did know it wasn't going to work out. The writing was on the wall. The signs that the relationship wasn't right were clear. And you knew that really you should have that conversation, but you just kept delaying having that conversation. You couldn't quite face making the decision and ending it. And it's the same with a work breakup. This is not an overnight clear-cut decision. And I think we can beat ourselves up for sitting in that uncertainty, but sitting in the uncertainty is part of the process. Like when it comes to a breakup with someone, ultimately you only really do it when you get to the point where you're like, okay, I am now clear. I don't want to be in this relationship anymore. I can't deal with X, whatever it is anymore. I'm going to take steps to end it. It's a bit like that with a work break up as well. We want to consider carefully before making the final decision. Often we need to reach that point where we think enough is enough before we will actually walk away. So don't make that wrong. If you're sat in that place of uncertainty, it's part of the process. Don't make it wrong. Don't call yourself indecisive. Careful thought about leaving your role is a good thing. But here are my four top tips for deciding if you should stay or go. Firstly, value your own happiness. Um, And if this was in writing, I'd be writing it in capital letters. You are not obliged to stay in a situation that makes you unhappy out of obligation to others. Even if you're new, even if you're thinking, I haven't even been in the job that long, how could I go already? I need to stay at least a year to have that on my CV. Sometimes a job just doesn't work out. That's happened to me more than once. I have always managed to find something else, usually, well, in fact, always something better. Your happiness is important. We spend so much time at work. If if the only thing keeping you in your role is thinking I'm going to let down or disappoint other people, what about my team? I've motivated and encouraged them and now I'm going to leave them. Like, When deciding about what to do next, the only person whose job it is to prioritize your happiness is you. It's not your boss's job to prioritize your happiness. It's your job to prioritize your happiness. And so only you know if you're ready to go, if you're unhappy, um, and you need to listen to that voice inside yourself. Now, the second thing is that often it's actually making the decision that we find really hard. And if that's how you feel about it, then imagine that your work told you that your contract was going to come to an end. How would you feel about that? Now, undoubtedly, some fears would come up and you could think about how you'd address them. But once you'd overcome those fears, like, ah, how am I going to pay the bills? How would you feel after that? Relieved? Disappointed? Excited? Your answer to that will give you a bit of insight on how you really feel. Because it could be that, yeah, just making that decision is um, what's, what you find hardest rather than the actual idea of leaving. Now, this is something that's come up quite a lot lately. Number three, just because it's the perfect job on paper doesn't mean it is 
in reality. So there may be some brilliant things about the job, but there is if there's also something awful about it, then it's not the perfect job. So don't get stuck on the coulda, woulda, shouldas. It's like staying in a relationship because someone has potential, even though the reality of being in that relationship with the person that they actually are is making you unhappy. So yes, there may be some brilliant positives and you you could spend many months of your life going, if only X wasn't the case because A, B, C, and D, and E are so fantastic. But actually, if X is big and significant and is making you unhappy, it's not a brilliant job, even if it had the potential to be a brilliant job, or even if on paper, it was a brilliant job. I have walked away from a job that looked incredible on paper, but the reality was not incredible at all. And then finally, I sometimes come across this narrative around quitting being a bad thing. And I don't think that's helpful, to be honest. Um, I mean, it's probably helpful when you're running 10K and you're at 9K and you don't want to keep going. But it shouldn't be the narrative that keeps you in a situation that makes you unhappy. So please don't let, I'm not a quitter, I don't quit, rule your thinking on this. Instead, what I would do is think about, I move forward. Because um, if you if you have that narrative of, of I'm not a quitter, well, then you're never going to move on from any situation that isn't working, are you? I mean, it sounds like a recipe for, yes, being committed, but also being committed to some things you no longer want to be committed to. So instead, think of it as I think carefully before I quit, or I'm not quitting, I'm taking my talents and using them somewhere where they will have more impact because they're wasted here. Now, you might have listened to all of this and thought, you know what, gosh, some people really do have terrible work situations. Mine's not actually that bad at all. And actually, I think I'd rather stay than risk some of those terrible work situations. But if you do decide to stay, then you can make a plan to help you enjoy your role more. You might want to get a coach. You might want to join my Influence and Impact program so that you can get your voice heard and create that change you want to create within the organization. Or you might just be feeling a little bit lonely and unsupported, in which case sign up for my early bird waitlist for my new offer for women leaders, which will help you upskill, get support from other women and has well-being sessions to help you deal with stress. So there's actions you can take whatever situation you find yourself in. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. If you have, please share it with others or leave a rating or review on Apple or Spotify so that more people can benefit from it. If you'd like to talk to me about one-to-one coaching, which of my courses and programs are a good fit for you or how I can support the women in your team or your organization, do head over to my website and book a call or connect on LinkedIn and send me a message there. (music) 